Welcome, everybody, to episode five, apparently, of the Xbox Series podcast. Um, it's going to be another good one. They always are. There's no potatoes in sight, nothing to worry about. Um, and yeah, let's get straight into it with our introductions. So every Thursday, we appear at about this kind of time. It's me, Asa, and you've got um, Deadly Headley and Gamsley as well. We're going to go in reverse order. Gamsley, how are you doing this evening, afternoon? God, I am I am very happy. I've I've um, cleared my desk of of all potatoes and trophies, so it's all clean. Nothing's no potato in sight. Everything's good. I got my win. I'm feeling lighter. I'm feeling happy. Let's go. Let's talk about some Xbox news. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, for those on Spotify who can't actually see right now, Gamsley does have a secret potato somewhere in the scene. It's not that well hidden. It is there. Um, Deadly Headley, no potatoes for you. How are you doing? You're my favourite right now. It's a bit rude, isn't it? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when this is all your Good fault. Good evening. <laughs> Good evening, friend. Um I'm I'm all right, thank you, mate. I'm very, very good. Um, struggling to believe that it is already Thursday. Um, these these weeks go quick in these streets, um, but I'm good. I'm very, very good. Potatoless, okay. as you said, there are no lurking potatoes in my room. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. Have you got your "this is fine" sign with us this week, or is everything? No I don't know. That's that's long gone. I I've decided that everything is fine forever, even though it's not. So it may well really not be, is. especially it's a good um, point, because as the year has gone on, we've had this roller coaster, particularly on the Xbox side of things, a roller coaster of emotions. And I actually don't know where it is right now, because it's been going from one week to the next. It's been like, everything's brilliant. Ah, we're all going to die. Everything's brilliant. Ah, we're all going to die. And this week it's actually been a little bit more steady, hasn't it? I don't think there's been any massive flips or shock turns. Just some games. It is only Thursday. It's only it Thursday. Thursday. It's still <laughs> what do we do, though? Are we due a high or a low? What happened last? Um, okay, mm. so we had the we had the the four games going to PlayStation slash Switch sort of, um, and I guess depending on which side of the fence you fell, you either t- thought it was a high or a low. I think we mm. sort of landed somewhere in the middle um, because it left among some unanswered questions, but for the most part, felt pretty okay about where we were at. Um, the news this week has been quite interesting. They sort of some highs and some lows oh, and all the of them is, seem to have arrived there are definitely today. some lows and we're definitely going to get to those but before we do we're going to talk about our, our favorite part of gaming which is gaming deadly headly what have you been playing absolutely uh i'm still playing Baldur's gate 3 i have not had the opportunity to play anything else but i am still obsessed with Baldur's gate 3 i think i think i have just started or i'm about to start act 3 um mm-hmm. which so i'm I'm very excited about the fact that I've gotten this far because genuinely, if you pitched, in fact, <laughs> half the world seemed to be pitching Baldur's Gate 3 to me a year ago, I probably would have turned my nose up at it. Um, and I do have to give a shout out to my D&D group um, that I play with every Sunday um, because I don't think that I would have received Baldur's Gate 3 in the same way as I did if I didn't play um, a few a few sessions of D&D with them first. Um, but Baldur's Gate it's, 3 really did capture me instantly. So It's so strange to me that you play you play tabletop Dungeons & Dragons, but Baldur's Gate 3 wasn't high on your list already. Right? 
So yeah, I weird. started playing D&D about three weeks before um, I before Baldur's Gate came out to Xbox. But we actually play over Discord, um, which is quite fun. So we use D&D Beyond and um, Albert um, and my, my mate Nick, who will be listening to this, so shout out to him. He may even be watching live, I'm not sure. Um, but he created a, a fantastic campaign that we've all really enjoyed. So... Shout out to him because he's done a fantastic job. Playing over Discord is cool because that's um, that means that tabletop Dungeons and Dragons online infrastructure is on a par with Nintendo's, which you also mm. have to just organise over Discord. <laughs> um, <laughs> Why did you have to do that to Nintendo? What the fuck's going on? Someone's got to take him down a peg. God, <laughs> it was a fair comment though. It's a fair comment, Gamsley. What have you been playing this week? Oh my god, a lot of stuff. Too much stuff. Um, so I've been playing this game. I, okay, so as you guys know, I love Brotato. It's the best game of the year. <laughs> it's going to win game of the year. <laughs> no, I have not. But I went to something sort of in the same genre. So I, I this is one that I actually think um, Asa would like Sleep. a lot more. Deep Rock Galactic, uh, Galactic Survive. So mm. this is much more front. It has a better objectives. It has better objectives. It has <laughs> objectives in the first place. So you'll like that, Asa. Um, mm -hmm. uh, essentially, you have this map, and it's always random. Um, and your objective is it's a top. It, it's the same thing, you know, top overhead camera, and you run around, and it just auto attacks things. But the kick is that it has like little nodes of like ore or other crystals or other stuff that you could kind of run into every wall you could run into, but you'll start to hammer through the wall. So it's, it's only, it'll slow you down. You'll hammer through the wall. You can make little paths to escape the creatures that are constantly coming after you. It'll slow you. Sometimes it'll mess you up because there's flying things that will kind of just, you know, uh, fly over the, obstacles and hit you so it could actually be a hindrance too to if you choose to like dig through a ro uh, dig through a rock to get ore mm -hmm. um it'll fly over and attack you easier so sometimes digging um is not the a good idea um so it has all these different angles you could go with it and then at the end uh there's always this big boss and swarms that will attack you and you just have to survive and get the heck out um fascinating gameplay you should actually check this out so deep rock galactic survive go check that out on steam um it's amazing mm -hmm. deep rock galactic is just such a good game in general um and it's and a little spin -off. i assume i quite enjoy it because at the moment on steam it's in early access isn't it i assume because deep rock galactic is on on console this is presumably coming at some point have they spoken about it yet do you know when that might be or xbox yeah what did you say Oh yeah, no, um, I I have no idea. I I have no idea. It's... This I didn't. It, this, I was playing on Steam. <laughs> mm. um, it will come though. I, I would know. think like it's obviously a fit for the console. And the so. um, Deep Rock Galactic is on console and was on Game Pass for a time, wasn't it? So I assume, yes. assume this one won't. It still is, I believe. Yeah. yeah, I I really I really hope because it is truly an interesting spin on the genre. Um, mm. so go check that out guys it's 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 really addicting and it does have a purpose and end and a <laughs> end goal and all that stuff Asa it um, looks a million times one... more entertaining than Brotato it does look a lot better to me yes. like this um, 
I'm on yeah. this. Yeah. Go check that out. Trust me. Um, even though I hate you and Brotato is amazing. Uh, also, I've been playing <laughs> Dabbling. Are you talking in, to me or the audience? Uh, Who do you hate? Do you hate all of them? Uh, or everyone. are you talking to? I fucking hate everybody. Oh, good. Okay. Every That's single fine. one of you guys. <laughs> every single one of you. Um, yeah, go check At that out. At least he's honest, right? Been, at least I'm honest. <laughs> I'm also a Canadian. Um, Indivisibles is also a game that just hit Game Pass. That's a lovely little RPG um, that I'm dabbling in. I can't say much about it. Haven't really dove into it that much. I'm just in the starting area. Uh, really fun. I'll have that. I'll have more on that next week. Uh, Dead Island 2, I'm still on it. And I'm playing a little bit of uh, Baldur's Gate, weirdly enough. Baldur's Gate 3 or an ancient one? Three, uh, yeah. Baldur's Gate three, yeah. So, how about you? You mentioned um, you mentioned Dead Island there. I tried that. That obviously came into Game Pass. Was it last week or the week before? I forget the the time frame. But that, um, if you haven't already played that on Xbox, that was better than I expected because it was a game that had this very long, storied, drawn out development cycle where everybody thought this is going to be terrible, and then it came out and it wasn't terrible. It's not the best game that I've ever played. It's very tight and confined, but it was surprisingly pretty and um I, I was impressed by the, the combat. Like it sounds stupid. It doesn't feel it's great so in your hands, but it is really satisfying to to chop things up. It's like it's very, very responsive, very specific to to where you're hitting enemies and things, which kind of there's a weird juxtaposition because it's very, very dynamic. Everything is physics driven, but it's also trying to keep its RPG roots and it's spraying numbers. It's saying like, oh, you did 17 damage or maimed and all the rest of it. I, I quite want to turn off all of the numbers and pop in and stuff because it's it doesn't yeah. necessarily fit the vibe and the theme of the game to me. But I was, yeah, I was surprised by how much I enjoyed that Dude, one. I tend to go back to it and play some more. How satisfying is jump kicking things? <laughs> so good. In real life, very. In that game, I actually no. haven't jump kicked anything. What? The double leg. I'm, I'm only in the. It. Yeah, I haven't done that. Little drop kicks. Well, it's in the tutorial, man. I've, no, it's not. Regular kicks are in the tutorial. Hitting stuff is in the tutorial. Um, the dive kick? Oh, I, must have, totally I, the I must have not read it. Fine. Fine. <laughs> I'm only like an hour into it. I think I would consider it to be past the tutorial, but maybe not. Yeah, I've got learning to do. I've got playing to do. I know you got Brotato to get off of. You know what I mean? Just get off. This of is that. the problem. I'm behind on all of my games it. because you yeah. told me that this game was good, and I tried to find the goodness in it. I would have finished Baldur's Gate three by now. I would have finished Dead Island by now. But you told me something's going to happen eventually if you just keep playing Brotato. Spoilers, <laughs> and I don't normally spoil any game whatsoever, but it is literally impossible to spoil Brotato because to this nothing guy. happens. <laughs> Don't don't listen to him. He just he <laughs> hasn't had his milk tea yet. All right, he'll soften up. That's a fair point. That is a uh, fair point. On uh, you're both playing Baldur's Gate three, and you're both on Act three. Are you guys max level? No. I just hit that last time I was playing, which was Tuesday, maybe. Oh man, it's so good. Anyways, we can move on. It is so good. good. It is so good, and I I can't. I'm still, cool. I I'm still at that sort of phase in my Baldur's Gate journey where I still don't really feel like I know precisely what I'm doing, but I've managed to get this far and I call that an achievement. Um, the personal highlight for me was um, 
clutching a fight with just Asterion using Hyde and his sort of um, sneak uh, sneak ranged attack to deal some mm-hmm. massive damage. Um, and I managed to turn the fight around, resurrect everybody, and not die. Um, and it was awesome. It, it was so, so cool. Um, I, I shouldn't have beaten and wankers and deadly headmen. I'm aware. I'm aware. I'm a Baldur's Gate noob, so I, I, I'm not going to apologize. Asa, for it. <laughs> I've been watching Asa on his streams. All he does is like freaking bold rush things and die. That's all he does. Oh, that's. Are you talking about Baldur's Gate or every game that I play? That sounds like Forza. <laughs> Literally every, everything. <laughs> everything. But it's not untrue and I can't hide it because I do stream a lot. Um, while we're on the bad news then, let's get into the topics, shall we? Should we start with EA? So, yeah, yeah. Electronic Arts have, have made some changes. Not not all bad, but predominantly bad because the, uh, the in line with everywhere in the industry, they've made a whole load of redundancies. They're they're reducing their workforce by I think they were eight percent, which was about seven hundred people. Um, which yeah. there's only so much that you can say about that because everybody's doing it and it sucks. And we all know that it sucks, and that's just going to go around in a circle of saying that it sucks. Everybody hates it, but um, it does come with a little update on what they're kind of strategy is which there's a bit more conversation around on that one because um ea have said that they are like many publishers they are refining their their focal points they're going to focus on their own ip their sports games and um and established multiplayer service games with less of a focus on licensed ip and that's quite interesting because that's a different direction to, to most of the industry typically as game development is so notoriously risky normally you mitigate that risk or most publishers have been mitigating that risk by taking a big license and making a, a spider-man or a marvel game or a star wars or a disney um in ea's case they were making and are still making some star wars games but they have cancelled one that people were already looking forward to even that hadn't been announced which is the mandalorian gamsley yes does this hurt you what do you think of all this uh well EA losing a bunch of people, you know, that always sucks. Uh, the whole industry seems to be kind of on fire letting some people lose. I think it's just a heavy restructure everywhere. Um, and I think it's just necessary in some cases and unnecessary in other cases. Um, only companies like right now that uh, companies that do it a little bit fair is Nintendo for some odd reason. Nintendo just decides, hey, let, let's pay cut the high execs. And, uh, you know, it's very, it's very weird, mm-hmm. right? Nintendo seemed to be these, like, no exec would cut their own kind of budget to help the studios. But, yeah. So Nintendo's Nintendo like, oh, we need more money. Let's there. get it from Yuzu. <laughs> Send yeah. in the lawyers. We'll take their money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's get it from outsource. Um, but, yeah, um, it's, it's always bad. Uh, but I find it interesting, though, that they're not going to do the licensing licensing thing um it doesn't surprise me either now knowing that spider-man is so much right like if when mm-hmm. when we look at if you told me before like oh yeah ea is gonna ditch their their i don't know star wars license and not make jedi survivor games anymore i'd be like wow that's an odd look because they've been so successful and so big but that's numbers on the outside but then when you zoom in and it's like 150 million for the license you're like wait a second 
<laughs> then it's not as viable as we once thought. So it doesn't surprise me, but it also surprised me because they're so successful at it at this moment, right? You'd think that we're going to talk on it. Uh, Cancelling a Mandalorian game seems kind of weird, right? They did say they cancelled that, right? Yeah, but they didn't say because yeah. that game hadn't actually been announced, but they said, uh, okay. I think it's officially confirmed that a Star Wars project was, and it is definitely the Mandalorian, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so that that's a little bit baffling, right? Because I don't know what it is about this Mandalorian stuff, but uh, this is the second time a shooter like this gets kind of cancelled. I wonder 13, why. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. It's funny because like, so, yeah, so. when this broke and we were talking about Mandalorian just a couple of weeks ago, I, I said like, I'm really disappointed that they're making a Mandalorian game because personally I would much rather oh, yeah. Titanfall 3. That's a more interesting IP to me, a more interesting property. I've had enough of Star Wars. Give me what you're good at. I didn't mean for it to happen like this though. I wasn't like wishing for project cancellations and studio cuts. But I don't mind. I'm quite happy to see EA and oh, any yeah. other publisher pivot away from licenses and i'm not i'm, I'm a sucker for a license i played spider-man and whatever else i'll do that but i much prefer original original properties wherever possible yeah, rather than the heavily these... milked marvel disney star wars stuff but yeah all these all these companies have like they got so big for a reason they they really did like they when they were focusing on their own games you know it was it was pretty stellar yeah they have it's ea so they have like the ea sports titles that really helped push them up but um for the most part um you know they grew themselves with niche you know fun titles and i want to see them go back to that as well uh, we'll see what happens I, I i'm ready for some new new stuff coming out of them new stuff is, is but also the omitted information though. for all the people gone yeah yeah you, you can infer from what they're saying though um we know that they're moving away from licensed stuff but they're also seemingly not looking at taking risks themselves they are talking about established ip so we're going to see a lot of battlefield and potentially titanfall but less immortals of avium like nothing new nothing risky in that sense because immortals of avium um it was second party as you'd say but they poured a bunch of money in it to create a new ip and that did not do very well for them by all accounts so it seems unlikely that we're going to be seeing creative risk necessarily is that fair deadly yeah. headley what's your take on all of it I'm I'm kind of mixed on the news. So I I think specifically on a Mandalorian game made by Respawn not coming to fruition is something that I am quite gutted about because I mm -hmm. I really really love what Respawn do um, with their first person shooters. So I'm a huge Titanfall fan. Love Apex. Like I, for a good few years, Apex was basically the only game I played um from when it launched right up until i want to say about season 15 um i played very little single player stuff i just played apex for a few years and mm -hmm. i absolutely loved that game so yeah i was I, I was definitely excited to see what respawn could do with um a star wars ip and yeah mandalorian would have been a really good one um in terms of what this means for ea going forward i'm I'm also with you, you know, to countering my own point there. I, I think that it is, I, I think it, it, it's quite an, I think the Insomniac links were a really good lens or a really interesting lens to look at this through because um, it, those leaks really highlighted the slice of the pie that Disney were taking back from, and I can't remember the actual proportion of um, profits that they were taking back from, um, 
Spider-Man 2 sales. Um, but the, the the leaked documents that we saw from Insomniac really sort of exposed um, the it, those extreme budgets that were attached to AAA licensed games. Um, so I think it's it's definitely a positive move for EA because clearly that was starting to look unsustainable. But similarly, I'm glad that from what we have heard so far, the next Jedi Survivor game, or uh, sorry, uh, next. Um, yeah, you're right. Not, Jedi. It's, yeah, it's Jedi. Uh, yeah. The, the next Jedi game is is still coming, um, mm-hmm. as, yeah. as far as we're aware. So they they said that's that's still in the pipeline, but the Mando game is is gone. Yeah, um, Iron Man and Black Panther still in the works as well. For people wondering yes, about their other big right. IPs. Yeah. Uh, and I'm I'm glad to hear about that as well because actually, um, although Anthem didn't necessarily hit the it, it hit what it in the way that it should have done or the way that some people expected it to, um, clearly some of the learnings from that are absolutely applicable to a um, to an Iron Man game, um, and that is something that I'm excited to see. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm glad that that's still in the works. So, um, you mentioned there though, so they've got their big IPs and the contracts that are in place are still going to come out. Maybe we won't see much more in terms of new licenses. It's going to take a while, like shifts in the industry will take a little mm-hmm. bit of time and certain things in the pipeline are still coming. But there's been a lot of talk of AAA development being unsustainable and this like EA are very much typically in the, the AAA space. But there's also been redundancies in smaller studios like um, Deck Nine that made the, the off-life is strange games. So before the storm and and whatever else, uh, the true colors. Um, they've had a 20% reduction in workforce as well. So it's not just the AAA space. What do you think is going to happen like short to midterm? How does the industry self-correct? How does it stop cutting everybody and stabilize and continue giving us games? What's happening? Oh my God. Where do we start with that? Um, mm. Very good question. <laughs> I think there's something to be said for for being like small and nimble, right? So whenever these studios, if you know all of these people, I like thousands of people are getting laid off. Um, if they're truly passionate about games and the industry has room for you know more games, which it you know doesn't add. I I think we are at a, mm. like a big inflation point. I think there's a point where there's just too much, and the pendulum went all the way up. And I think it has to swing back down where less less games have to be made. Um, that won't happen. I think it's always going to go up. But um, all these people are gonna go away, think about what they want to do. But most of them um, are probably going to come back and start their own little kind of club you know they're all in their own indie studios and the the good products will shine and 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 you know there's going to be opportunities look at all the big publishers right now have like arms that are trying to help everybody we're going to talk about that soon with xbox and toy toys for bob um pu- big strong publishing arms with a lot of money are are here to support um so that's what's going to happen you know these smaller nimble studios are going to pop up everywhere and try to um make their smaller games and hit a hit a sustainable mark because i think a lot of indie studios i I don't know i'm not a genius but the indie studios that are lucky right now it, it all comes down to budgeting and knowing knowing your stuff and not going 
too ambitious, you know, not going too high above the watermark. And uh, they seem to be floating pretty well, right? Um, mm, so we'll see some, what happens. Some I, I think, yeah, in some cases. I don't know. It's not a perfect, I have no idea, man. I think, I don't know. He Headley, you need to help me out here. I don't know what to say about <laughs> this. Um, because uh, there's there's a lot of games out there. I think I think there's just too much, and we can't consume enough to. Mm. I think there's just an over an over mm -hmm. um, supply of games. Help it is them, it is a really them. tough question, and I I think um, it sort of <laughs> I think it, so we saw mass hires through COVID, um, and I I think that sort of that's part of the course correction now, isn't it? Because I, I think mm -hmm. that kind of we're, we're at the other end of, and I'm not entirely sure as to why those mass hires happened. Um, I, and I think that sort of kind of shows some of my gaps in terms of not being as close to everybody, the industry. As, well, as someone everybody was, sorry. Go on. No, no. Everybody was, it, it just shot up, right? all the consumer products shot up at that point, like everything, mm. like TV, yeah. movies. Well, suddenly every, gaming was, was the thing that everybody could do. It was yeah, just, exactly. okay, I can't leave. I can't go anywhere. But you know what I can do? I can play a shitload of video games. Yeah, um, romanticize it. Because like, think... I'm with you in that you'd think, you'd think the people that were running these companies and steering these ships would look at that and go, well, this is temporary because <laughs> everyone's going to go back to work soon. But... It could be that these there are people making decisions that actually like games that just assume that all of these people who are staying home and trying games are suddenly going to be the market now. Like they're, they're not going to stop because games are awesome. So there might have been a little bit of naivety in there where people thought the bubble's yes. not going to burst. It's going to grow from COVID and these people are going to stay because they're having a great time. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah but the and opposite all of happened. A sudden... Yeah, the opposite mm. happened. Instead, they were like, oh, yeah, everyone's just stuff. saying goodbye to, to their it. free time. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, like they're poor. They have to make like tax pay payments and all this stuff. They're like, oh my god, yeah. That damn mortgage still needs paying. It's just exactly <laughs> things happen. Um, so yes, obviously there there is there is definitely some some course correction that's happening there. In in terms of how the games industry um recovers, I I think what I feel quite hopeful about is the the amount of talent that there currently is um in this sort of pool of developers that are looking for new work or looking for um to sort of join existing teams there's also going to be a, a a pocket of developers that will consider starting something new um and we've already seen i'm struggling to think of any specific examples off the top of my head so i if you if any come to mind i'd appreciate the help but um i oh. know there were some guys from playground games that went to go and start something yeah new. mike brown started up his own um, thing didn't he it's yeah and i i wonder if maybe part of the course correction is just seeing more moves like that more decisions like that but um gamsley i also think you you raised a really sort of kind of worrying but also exciting from from a consumer's perspective it's exciting from a games industry perspective it's a little bit concerning that yeah we might actually start becoming saturated with video games but mm -hmm. we've also got more and more players um arriving every single day like you've i think you know where a lot of growth is coming from in the industry is children that are maturing to the point where they um are you know evolving beyond 
just playing on Switch, for example, and maybe looking at what something like PlayStation has to offer or what Xbox might offer. Um, you've got a new generation of mobile gamers who spend more time on phones and tablets than they do any other device. Um, the new, you know, growth from growth in in respect to the consumer market is growing bottom up but i think the challenge that you've got with the games industry is you've got a lot of developers in an established industry and it's taking longer and longer to <laughs> to blaze 4k in the nice. chat. that's funny Fuck you, <laughs> just bringing the heat you for <laughs> shout out to he him, took a boy. shot and ran that fucker. <laughs> <laughs> i love you man um the uh yeah i i think there's there's definitely a concern about there almost being sort of too many cooks on the market but we don't really want to see any of those cooks be out of work we want to see them cooking um but the problem is if we to continue torturing this rather labored analogy apologies for that is we need more kitchens we don't need more kitchens we need more mouths to feed yeah, we need a lot of. But that, I think we are getting concerns. more mouths to feed. Oh, well, we, we have the kitchens also... because because more and more and more and more independent studios out of all of this bad stuff is going to start popping up. That's the kitchens, right? It's just that the consumers, how many are there, and how many are willing? Like, it's not like how we have podcasts, right? So think about it. We 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 thought that gaming is going to blow up and whatever. It's the best medium to have, but like if we think about it. So Microsoft has the mobile market that's kind of, well, they want the mobile market. That's kind of the smartest place to go because we're always on the go. We always want to pick up a brotato, you know, those are, those are the things that do pretty well. And they're trying to get there because it takes little time to get enjoyment out of it. And you don't have to be truly conscious when you're playing these games, right? Because you're always on the move and whatever. It's a bite-sized piece. You take a bite, you put it back in your pocket, whatever. Uh, When it comes to... Um, video games though like you can't just have a video game in the background like you could have a movie or a podcast and that's what scares the hell out of me when is it gonna grow how far is it gonna go i don't know because it's just not a movie and not (laughs) not a podcast where you could just have it in the background and consume it in the background and you pay for netflix but sometimes you don't even listen to the show you just have it going on and you're cooking and what you can't do that with video games you have to have you have to be hands-on looking at a screen all the time and that's what that's what scares the crap out of me with video game growth is that i don't i think it's the best uh possible Mm. media you could consume it has everything right music stories you know gameplay interactivity it's all amazing. It's the best form, but it's also the form that you need your attention to be on the most. Mm. Like you need to have your your eyes on this stuff all the time for you to enjoy it and to get your money with it. So I'm I'm very scared in that way. So even if we so have the kitchens, some... will it grow fast? I don't know. There was or a fantastic will it grow as much as movies. That... I don't know. Yeah, they, there was a there was a fantastic point that um, Asa, you you made it on Game One Daily, and I I actually think Gamsley may have been on that show. I can't remember. You were talking about your experience with working in a cinema and um, yeah. someone explaining to you what what the competition was. Gamsley, were you on that show? I think you might have been, but I, I actually can't remember. I I it doesn't matter. I um, I was on one, so I don't... it was yeah, same. <laughs> I just I for some reason I thought it was that one. Anyway. Um, 
AC, you, you talked about the, the competition for yeah, movie theaters I, I can't not being take other movie theaters. Credit for this. It's, it's, it's not my analogy. It's Dan from Cinderworld's analogy. He's a wise, a wise guy. Um, uh, he was asked. He was just generally talking about like, what is competition for the cinema, and it's relevant to games because because um, the answer applies. Um, competition for the cinema at that point in time, there was various other entertainment things on the complex that the cinema was on, and there's obviously other cinemas various distance away but that's not their primary competition their primary competition is anything that people can spend time and money on and video games sit very much in that same field i'm not saying cinemas are particularly relevant to the conversation but the fact that anybody spending money on video games and spending time on video games could be spending that time and that money on absolutely anything else makes every form of entertainment competition and so what you were saying about you think we're going to reach a point of saturation i think we're well past the point of saturation um there there is too many there's too much too many games people can't play them the um the small, nimble indie studios. There were fourteen thousand games released on Steam over the course of twelve months. Almost none of them get played, but there are so so many small games. The industry as a whole. I see a lot, um, a lot of people talking at the moment saying that their solution to the problem is that we need to to kind of kill AAA and make games smaller and trim budgets back down. But that's ignoring how we got to that point in the first place. We got to that point because of saturation. We got to that point because there were too many games and the double A's could not make any impact. And if you look at it now with with Game Pass presenting like 450 games for people to go and pay without playing, if you're trying to make a double A game right now, like moderate budget, and you don't get the nod from Microsoft, you don't get any kind of deal, and you're just like trying to sell that thing in the market against a billion other games, it's so, so difficult. And the only way to kind of balance the scales when it is oversaturated in that way, when you've got all of these cooks making all of these games, is you need the people eating to either pay more money, which is um, ties back to what Phil Spencer was saying about you can there's ways to get more money from people, but it, you get into the properly manipulative microtransactions, battle passes, dark patterns, three day three day early access, pre order bonuses, like that kind of shite, um, or you find new people to play games. And then like that's the option that we want and the option that we believe in and the option that Microsoft believed in. You can find loads more people to play games. The planet's got a whole lot of people that have never played Gears of War and they're going to love it. But the reality is that they don't necessarily love it. They might they might prefer entirely different times of co- like types of content. But the AAA space and the gaming, like the kind of core experience that we're all in love with, that's struggling to make inroads into a wider audience. And the kids that are coming through, these these kids with their Switch, like I've got two kids and I can't get them to move on from freaking Roblox, which doesn't help my case at all. It doesn't, doesn't help the AAA industry at all. So no, It's a difficult no, one. And us three, hurts. we're just humble podcasters who don't have the answers um, and don't pretend to. Yeah. And we're not going to turn around in three weeks' time if something happens to fall our way and say, look how smart we were. Because we weren't. We're just talking shit. Um little ray of hope toys for we have fun doing it that's the main thing (laughs) hopefully hopefully we have fun and hopefully people have fun listening and hopefully it just like gets people thinking a little bit that's good enough that's serves a purpose doesn't it but toys for bob so obviously an industry trend is consolidation microsoft bought activision blizzard king Uh, a few weeks ago they they made their wave of redundancies and toys for bob were caught up in that um there were rumors and speculation that that studio was closing entirely and people were quite upset that didn't happen. They lost a bit of staff and they lost their office, but we've just learned today through some kind of sorcery and blood pact, Toys for Bob have gained their independence from Microsoft and Activision Blizzard King. 
If you don't know the studio, they did a lot of work on Crash Bandicoot. Um, I'm not sure. I, I hate I hate Crash Bandicoot, so I don't know which games they worked on. But for other people's sake, they did some good work on Crash Bandicoot, and then they got roped into the Call of Duty machine. So there's got to be some hope here, right? What are Toys for Bob going to do now, Gamsley? The Sky Skylanders, right? Is their biggest one? Were they Skylanders? I think so. Mm. Uh, somebody in the chat will quickly tell me if I'm wrong. What by reputation though, you're right because it was the more yeah, like it was platformy, cartoony. Until yeah. they got roped into yeah, Call think... of Duty somehow. Yeah, I think it was Skylanders. Yeah, um, but anyways, the I I'm so happy. Okay, so everybody's taking this news a little bit rough. Like, there's a lot of people out there, even people that we respect and podcasters we respect that kind of. Uh, you know, you, you get their first opinion and their first opinion's always really sad. <laughs> you know, like, oh my God, doom and gloom, everything. I, I think this is great. And I want to touch up on, you know, this stuff. Like, as these people gain their independence or get fired, go open their own independent stage, I think co-development is also a big thing that you might see happening that puts money in people's hands and helps people's families and helps developers. But without like putting more and more games out there get it like that's, it, that's it, not what you envision for toys for bob though is it or is it no no well i don't well they said that they're i don't know a partnership with microsoft um it could be anything right could be mm -hmm. look we're gonna help co-develop a game uh we're gonna help with i don't know initiative stuff we're gonna help with i don't know whatever we don't know what the partnership is but it's something interesting. I think that would be really cool and a part to like um, a way to help like have more jobs in the industries and more studios, but not necessarily a ton of games, you know, co-develop a game, a series that already exists from another company. We see it all the time. Uh, to but Toys for Bob being independent and doing what they do good, making fun platforming games, fun fun kid games for everybody. Um, I I think this is a a good thing. I want to see them make uh, I don't know Tony Hawk or something. I don't mm -hmm. know. Put them on anything. Uh, I'm really ha I'm really excited to see what the contract would look like. I, I my heart says please give me a Spyro. You know if they could get Spyro from Microsoft, uh, why not? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for these guys. I can't wait until they could like stretched our legs out of the call of duty machine and, and give us something, um, interesting if, if anything, um, it is... but yeah, it's not a bad thing. Guys calm down. I, the, I don't think, the general I don't think studios, <laughs> huh? the general tone of voice from the blog post actually sounds really positive. Like well, they, exactly. they, I mean, they, they're yeah. thrilled to announce. I've got it in front of me. Actually, they say they're thrilled to announce that Toys for Bob is spinning off as an independent game studio. Um, with, uh, I'm to just kind of skimming down a little bit, but with the same en enthusiasm and passion, we believe that now is the time to take the studio and our future games to the next level. Like they're, they're hyped about this. This is, this is positive for them. There, there are no yeah. bad noises coming from this press release. And Tell it's me that. Well, from them. Look, and this look, isn't a negative, look. but I want, I'll just like, I'm curious what you think is going on here, because you're, you're Toys for Bob, you're currently part of Microsoft. Why did you leave to become independent to then work in partnership with Microsoft? Like, what's actually happening? What's the situation with Toys for Bob? And this is obviously going to be guesswork, because... 
that well, information is not not so public when knowledge. I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, there's legal stuff when you, like, kind of merge. You know, when they got put into the sweatshop of Call of Duty, right? I'm pretty sure they're not going to be called Toys of, for Bob, are they? I don't know. Um, I don't see why they wouldn't be. Okay, well, I don't see why we'll they see, be. but, you know, when you put them on something and kind of merge them so much, they kind of lose themselves a little bit, and it's really hard. Maybe, maybe Microsoft, it's either, oh my god, I don't want to say the wrong thing here. Maybe... Maybe the costs to keep that studio going isn't worth it for Microsoft in its entirety. So maybe it's just way expensive for them. And instead of dissolving and destroying these people's lives and firing them all, um, it's better just to say, hey, look, go do your own thing. We'll make a contract. We'll help you out. And Microsoft doesn't really have to think about anything else. They could do their own financing. Maybe there's legal stuff going on. We don't know, but this is quite an interesting way to kind of distance yourself from an expense, but also hold their hand and keep a friendly relationship. Uh, yeah, I don't see I, why I'd not. I'd buy that. I'd, I was just going to say, I'd, 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 I'd buy that my theory. actually eat. Okay. All right, can do. <laughs> <laughs> My theory is actually very, very similar. My theory is that um, is that Toys for Bob were on the chopping block a few weeks ago, and that studio was going to be cut entirely um, as part of Microsoft restructuring. And the owners who founded Toys for Bob said, "Hang about, like, like don't don't cut our heads off. We can work something out. We can afford to run this studio. Like, give us an opportunity to mm -hmm. to buy ourselves back and and run independently." Um, that is my complete guesswork theory of how this circumstances has arisen because yeah, it is quite, an unusual one yeah it quite makes but it makes sense in that in in a way right um mm -hmm. but we'll we'll see uh, sorry deadly makes sense ahead. when they, you consider I, I humans say involved um, yeah, and the potential that absolutely. some of them might be nice yep yeah and i i think out of all of the sort of because I know Toys for Bob's name did come up a few weeks ago and, and people kind of just went, Well, it's happening again because it came up. It, that name was floated just after the 1900 people that got laid off from um, were across Microsoft's gaming arm. Actually, it wasn't just um, Activision Blizzard King, was it? Um, and I think, am I right in thinking we heard. We heard talk about Toys for Bob's office being relocated, yes. or they were sort of yeah. working think, remotely. Yeah. And is yeah, um, just to sort of round round this off, I guess because I think you guys have, I think you guys have hit the nail on the head. It seems like the most sort of reasonable and logical kind of option that would have been on the table for them. Um, or it's not really an option if they've gone, hey, um, <laughs> Toys for Bob, we're thinking about closing you. What have you got? <laughs> um, Toys for Bob have said that our friends at, at Activision and Microsoft have been extremely supportive of our new direction, and we're confident that we will continue to work closely together as part of our future. So I think largely, yes, it sounds like they are moving to sort of a at-arms-length relationship but in a nice way not like a sort of we don't really like you anymore sort yeah. of way so that's good 
Yeah, and and mm-hmm. this is not the only this is not the only studio that's doing this, right, guys? It's there's there's Saber that's kind of distancing themselves from um, Embracer <laughs> and stuff like that, right? Yeah, yeah. Embracer is an here? interesting one. This one's actually a lot more simple, I think. Um, there were already a lot of talk around um, Gearbox potentially doing it, so we all know that Embracer uh, hoovered up as much as they could and are falling to pieces and are in dire straits themselves trying to recoup whatever money they can, shutting down studios, shutting down people as much as they can. If any studio within Embracer, um, like any offers made, Embracer entertaining them and selling their studios as much as they can. In the case of Sabre, they bought themselves back, and this is going to be a transaction for a reasonable price to, to get themselves out of it. There was a lot of talk um, that Gearbox are going to do the same. Um, Gearbox... And, and Randy Pitchford has a, a fair amount of money kicking around. They were also at huge risk at Embracer, and there was talk that they're either going to be sold off if the right partner comes along and offers them the right money, or they will buy themselves back in the way that Sabre have. Sabre are a relatively big, very competent, pretty successful studio. So they're going to be fine um, operating, either making their own games or partnering with other people, as they often have done before. The yeah. studios that people have... Yeah, co-development, we'll get onto your other one in a minute as well. It's a, it's a big thing in the industry, and Sabre were like very, very good at doing that. They've done it with a lot of different partners in the past. Um, the other ones that people have, like, have a constant eye on are Crystal Dynamics and Eidos as well, that we know that Embracer own. We know they're super talented studios, and we know that they're currently doing partnership work with Microsoft, but it's, it's all eyes on them to see how they escape the crushing death machine that Embracer appears to have become. Yeah. Hmm. But so Saber, we like just mentioned the the prospect of co-development. It is a big thing in the industry, especially in the AAA space, where one studio is not necessarily enough to to get a project over the line. Um, you were looking into Gamsley, uh, the work that Inexile are doing with Clockwork Revolution, and uh, a co-development studio there. What's going on? Oh my god! Well, let me pull that up because I freaking. <laughs> out of all this stuff yeah yeah no i got it um there's so shapeshifter games are like we we took this all as a bad thing i'm pretty sure everybody's like oh my god shapeshifter games x volition people that made like saints row and stuff um Mm -hmm. (laughs) are gonna co-develop um clockwork revolution well yeah well this is what i'm talking about like as studios kind of branch off or buy their own independence back and whatever, um, you're going to see a lot of this stuff. Developing video games right now is, is so hectic and, and, and very expensive. And, you know, a lot of studios could get their bread from just helping somebody make a thing. <laughs> so that's usually what happens. Um, yeah, uh, we need to relax when we see stuff like this happen so clockwork revolution is being made by in exile and it's being code developed by shapeshifter games um we all doom and gloom but you know the biggest games in the world get code developed uh for instance you know smash brothers from nintendo do do you know that do you know that um that game guys smash brothers do you know it deadly I do. I'm not, I'm not a Lisa, fan, do you but know? I, I'm aware oh, of it. Okay. Yeah. I've heard know, of it. It's know, all right. <laughs> do you know that Fire Emblem is also co-developed? Yeah, Do you know course. that, Isa? 
Did you, did you yeah, I know everything. But Microsoft, Microsoft also have a lot of form yeah. for co-development with Flight Sim and Age of Empires and all of these kind of things. Right? Exactly. It's not new to them. Perfect Dark with yes. Crystal Dynamics in the pipeline. Yes, and also, you know, uh, when we're talking about Toys for Bob branching off and doing their independent thing and why would you let them go and then do this thing? It's like, guys, you know, Pokemon is not even owned by Nintendo and they make it for Nintendo. They have partnerships. Partnerships are here, you know, they're, they've been around for freaking decades. They produce huge games for a lot of people. And I think this is awesome. I think it's awesome. And I think, um, we, we should like pump the brakes on the doom and gloom a little bit. Uh, I can't wait for clockwork revolution. What do you think of like, I, you guys have yes, the games. Thank you. Yeah, you're going to ask Saints Row. Saints I thought you were going to ask about Clockwork Revolution. So I've got, um, no, no, I've got the new Saints Row that you... was lambasted for its change of time, but I haven't yeah. personally gone through it yet. Okay. Volition knows how to make a fun game. They're talented developers. Um, I'm super, I'm super excited for them to get any work at <laughs> any work. I mean, they're 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 a big studio. Um, Clockwork, are you excited, Hart, uh Headley? Yeah. Yeah, I am actually. Um, does it, it, does it, this give of... you pause though? Does this like freak you out that the guys from Saints Row are co-developing? <laughs> um, not, not particularly. I I try not sort of tar a game with with a brush like that like this early out because we we haven't seen like a huge amount. But yeah, I I will I will admit I did avoid I did avoid Saints Row based on the the feedback that it had. Um, I've heard some mixed reviews, but largely not great. Um, mm. I think it, it, Clockwork looks interesting because it, it's that kind of... It's got that sort of Bioshock Infinite steampunk sort of vibe to it, hasn't it? Um, mm -hmm. I'm trying to think of anything else by... Because it's in Exile, isn't it? I'm trying to think what else by in Exile I might have I might have played. Um, Wasteland. Wasteland. I actually didn't play Wasteland. No, I oh, oh, you should. No, we're going to make really a segment. We're going to make a segment on what honestly, we recommend. Headley. Honestly, the, the 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 list of games that I haven't played is I'm embarrassed about how long it is. I'm not going to lie. That's not just you. Yeah, that's yeah. everybody. Yeah, man. No, it's like bad. I'm. It's going to be a recurring theme as we as we go. By the way, no, in exile is is so good. I can't wait for Clockwork Revolution. I can't wait to see uh hopefully it's good so we could like put to rest like you know code development teams are you know t uh will dictate the path you know it's like we looked mm. at um like can you guys even tell me one studio that works on smash no no but again I'm no smash. Really see so that's smash. that's why i'm like i'm so tired of it guys these games are going to be amazing and just because a dev that might have an iffy background working on 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 something uh don't, don't flip out don't who flip made out. the last yeah. of us part two made the last of us part made, two? yeah Naughty what dog? studio made that and like 500 studios Naughty dog and about 500 outside yeah. studios you can bet your ass some of them were not very like yeah. recognizable or had games in their repertoire yeah. that, that didn't meet like massive critical success so you're right clockwork revolution i wouldn't consider it remotely like concerning that these former volition devs are working on it volition's a well-established long-running studio with a lot of talent in there so the fact that they had 
a bad like it was the tone that was wrong in saints row more so than anything else and that apparently came from the publisher level that was rather pushed onto them um which may, may or may not be true like, i don't want to attribute the whole student storyline to, to publishers rather than the developers or whatever i don't know who's responsible but it's pretty safe to say when when volition were closed down and they formed up as a new studio shapeshifters they would have taken the good people whoever's running that thing would would, would offer those jobs yes. to the good people and you're going to have talent there talent that is ready and available to help in exile who were a relatively small studio microsoft acquired them whenever it was 2017 like a while ago now but they were a small studio and wasteland was quite a big game but quite a buggy game and it's difficult to get acquired by a microsoft and grow your staff uh, it's, it's not so difficult now because there's loads of people around but quite difficult to grow in size grow in scope um, scale and be able to scope up a bigger game they're doing that with clockwork revolution outsourcing to partners just makes a hell of a lot of sense but clockwork revolution itself though because i like the games more than the studios and all the rest of it deadly headly you mentioned you like it for the, for the vibe but uh, you've not played the other in exile ones that's no good um gamzy you no, could answer really. instead Tell me about Clockwork Revolution. Is, <laughs> oh, it, is it high on your list of like games in the Xbox pipeline? Or is it a myth? Oh, in Exile, remember that one in episode one I was talking about um, like in Exile used to be under the same umbrella as Obsidian and all those people, right? Um, they all worked on they have knowledge of working on Fallouts. They have they've all these guys in these studios, in Exile, Obsidian, etc., etc., these guys have made the biggest, best RPGs to ever come out on PC and onward. They have a pedigree, they have passion for it, and it's all, like, they're mostly original guys. Like, they're mostly original people. They've, whether it's an umbrella company and they went down and then they branched off into new um, studios, kind of like what's happening in the world right now. You know, they all share DNA, and now they're under one place again, and In Exile are beasts at this stuff. Go play In Exile games. Anything that says In Exile, go play it. You'll see the roots. Yes, I'm excited. Clockwork Revolution looks insane. They've always been a talented studio, but haven't flexed their muscles in, like, the... Um, 3d kind of environments and i can't wait to see uh what they do there uh but i'm super excited it looks amazing don't you find that it looks amazing like it looks wacky and amazing i love the, the look of it i also love, I really did like wasteland 3 now if you if you enjoy Baldur's yeah. gate in fact deadly headly you would probably love wasteland 3 it's um it's a post-apocalyptic setting but in terms of the the way that you can build out your characters and the choices that you can make as you go through it like both in and out of combat Wasteland 3 is very much the same genre as Baldur's Gate 3. Nice. And to see them okay, visit yeah, cool. a game, different perspective, but keeping that DNA of like choice and consequence. Choice and consequence is really central here because it's all about like time travel, popping back in time, changing things and see it, seeing how it impacts the present day. And it's a, it's, it's a lot for them to take on, but if it is, if there's subtlety in it, if there's nuance in it, if you can really like impact things in surprising ways, this could be a, a hell of a game. And it's obviously slightly under the radar mostly because microsoft haven't really started the marketing push for it yet so the developer direct was more about about and you know the, the four five games that were in that more so than it was about clockwork revolution but definitely keep your eye on it because in exile make games that are good 
so I've sold good. you on it, haven't I? Like, Next week we're going to come we back and then Headley's going to go, oh, I've done the really whole away from three. Yeah, Headley, Headley, like I swear to God, man, like if you loved, you were talking about in the beginning of the podcast what, that you, mm-hmm. you, you really do like D&D and you really got into Baldur's Gate 3 because of it. Mm-hmm. All these studios that I mentioned, Black, that you know, Obsidian used to be <clears throat> Black Isle Studio, all that stuff. Yep. All these guys built their first games in the D&D world. Like all the games they've built have been okay. in the D&D world right um i forgot I the name it was in it was in the notes the episode notes in episode one but nightingale no not nightingale is it nightingale anyways boulder's gate and nightingale fuck i wish i had the list with me but they've made really classic rpgs and they're all in the same universe and they were D nerds and it's just you need to play these games go play wasteland 3 start with that because uh one and two had a little bit of they had issues that they really did iron out in the third game mm-hmm. it's it's a great starting point go do that sure. stuff quickly i'm gonna add mm-hmm. that to my increasingly long backlog but put after Baldur's gate it's 3, one of the I've... put it on the top it's a good it's a good rpg okay i can do that perfect right gamzy what's our next topic Oh I'm goodness. being lazy and putting my feet up. I'm sipping some wine. Because you, you've got <laughs> while a whole Gamsley figures that out, While Gamsley uh, figures I'm... that out, I am very kindly going to ask the chat to hit the like button for us. Oh, because yeah, it do. helps us it helps us show up on other people's feeds uh, and helps the channel grow and all that good stuff. Um, and right, while I've I... got you here, just thanks for all the support that you guys have shown because it's awesome. Yeah, so we hit up, we hit well everything said. pretty well. Um, let's talk about Halo. So, uh, oh no, not Halo. Uh, by the way, out of all of this, out of all this stuff, what I'm really happy about is Remedy buying, um, Control. They bought Control back from mm. 505 Games Publishing for 17 million. What do we think mm. about that? That's a, that's a pretty fair price, right? That's insanely fair, it's, I think. It's a lot of money for something that they did all the work on. Obviously, 505 it's funded true. Control, yeah. and there's no, I don't think there's any hard feelings between Remedy and 505 in terms of how this came to be. They obviously think that the price is worth paying, so they're paying it, but it, um, it includes, so Control, the IP itself and the game that's already out, um, the sequel, so Control 2, and there's a multiplayer game that they're making in that universe as well, which is pretty damn exciting because much as remedy aren't known for their for their combat and stuff um control had some fun shit going on that i'd, I'd like to use on other people's it, bookshelves control was <laughs> cool i actually really want to pick that up again because i liked it a lot i thought it was very very cool yeah it was so good and it when it was on game pass it was on game pass pretty early right mm. i it was yeah it, i did actually buy it so it was it was um i, I need to finish it to be fair uh but i remember um I think the 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 standard Xbox One version came out to Game Pass, but it sort of they basically said like we've also got a optimized for current gen or at the time still technically next gen blah, 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 um, version, and that was pretty well priced. And I rem- I remember picking that up because it wasn't. I think it was controversial it was at the time. This was you know I, you yeah. mentioned it. I'm coming back. So five oh five got a lot of stick and heat for this because um, most mm. games, particularly on the Microsoft side of things, were doing free upgrades. This was one of the first they ones that caused smart the stink. For... Yeah, and I remember, I remember, I remember jumping on it because at the time it was really difficult to. I I remember 
um, feeling quite similar to a lot of guys that I was listening to on podcasts where they just wanted like that that visual showpiece title quite early on in the gen that just didn't really kind of make itself present. I know um, I was quite hoping to be I, I was hoping to be quite impressed with um, the, uh, Watch Dogs Legion because that had ray tracing, but it only ran at thirty with thirty mm-hmm. FPS, and while London looked kind of pretty. It was also a bit shit, um, and just sort of feeling a little bit kind of is this is this the the generational leap that we're all supposed to be hyped for? Um, and then yeah, I remember picking up Control um, and it being that sort of we're gonna make you pay for this next gen upgrade, even though Microsoft is sort of launching everything with this sort of um, mm-hmm. well, smart delivery was optional, wasn't it? That was that was the caveat. You didn't have to adopt it as a developer, but you also sort of had to p- be prepared to look like a bit of an arsehole if you weren't going to. And yeah. clearly, Remedy went, "Yeah, fuck it, we'll take that." Hit. Not Remedy, not Remedy, that not was Remedy. Decision. Excuse me, yeah. it's five oh five. Five oh five went. No, nah, we'll look like dicks. <laughs> Which, to be fair though, like from a publisher perspective, they they were paying to get that upgrade work done. So you can you can kind yeah. of see both sides of it, but um, I just yeah, really quickly Absolutely. want to get this super chat. Dodge Knight, thank you, Dodge. He says, "Evening, sexy boy." So I'm not sure who he's talking to. Um, must be watching something else. Um, not Xbox focus, but who would you guys like to buy Gearbox from Embracer? Oh God, I I I just want to see Gearbox. I know this is probably. I'm sorry, I'm going to take this. Uh, I I know this is probably crazy. I rather them go independent again. If they Same. could afford it, uh, I rather them go independent and just do their thing. Gamsley um, hates Game Pass. Were... Go go. What the fuck? No. Supposed um... to say Microsoft, so all of their games go on Game Pass. That's the correct answer. <laughs> it, but no, I, that's I'm what I would you. want. I wish, but uh, <laughs> it's not very good for everyone else. But um, yes, I I want to see them independent. I want to see them flex their mu- like creative muscles again. Um, Hopefully they have enough money to do that. Do they? I don't know. I think mm-hmm. this sort of independence move may be a trend that we're seeing. Um, I think like Larian last year actually really proved that being an independent studio was not a bad thing, and that actually you could mm, do. But they were lucky, weren't they? With... Like <laughs> they were lucky. They they got a bag from Stadia. They got a bag from mm. literally like. Stadia was dying, giving them money, then went through their contract anyways, gave them more money. Luck's and then, not fair I don't credit. Know, man. They're also massively yeah, but, talented and had a lot of successes behind them. There are no, no, an no, awful no. lot of studios 100%, that fell apart. I'm yeah. sorry. I don't, I don't mean to shit on Larry. It's just that, you know, when... when when um all these developers... Remember when they were coming out being like, yeah, Larian is like this like magical scenario. It's like, well... They kind of were because they were really they had their time, and they were getting funded for it, you know. And it's just mm-hmm. they they had a lot of time to do what they needed, and uh, I don't think other independent studios have that time and budget to do it. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. does it make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah. It does. It so Larian to me was like a special difficult. case. is definitely a special case, um, and good for them. Uh, we've also had one membership gifted by Pete as well that went to Lethal Migraines and welcome to the community and thank you so much for that Pete as well um, where were we? 
Yeah, yeah, continue, Deadly. I'm so sorry. I cut Deadly off in the middle of his sentence. Oh, I'm I completely sorry, forgot. I, I, uh, oh, no. I think I was done. I think I was done. I, we were talking, no, we were no, talking trend, about control. You were talking about trends uh, in the independent sphere. Oh, no, Deadly Headley was going to say, I hope that Microsoft buy everybody. Just because we need that perspective, it's expected. Somebody say it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. sorry. So someone's got to be the, uh, the the mindless Xbox fan on this panel saying, <laughs> I'll take the bullet. Um, no, I, I think that, um, I think that uh, studios going independent and um, potentially sort of Part of that is amicable, amicable agreements with um, publishers or, or uh, you know, parent companies to sort of go, we, if we can work in a more agile way, if we can have more independence over what we do and put less earnest on appeasing your shareholders, does this make us more viable as a studio? Does this allow us to soak up some of the talent pool that has been, um, you know, displaced following the uh, the seemingly endless barrage of layoffs that keep on hitting the industry? Maybe that contributes towards this sort of idea of the industry rebalancing that we talked about a little bit earlier in the show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was so, it. That Alvin- was really... That was the point. Alvin, thank you so much for another super chat. He's, uh, wow. Alvin has said, um, for all his foibles, Randy P created my favorite franchise ever. I hope whatever happens with Gearbox is ultimately best for the IP. He's enjoying the show. He is, of course, talking about Battleborn. Hoping that Gearbox's resurgence brings back Battleborn. I think he's probably talking about Borderlands. That's what um, that's what Gearbox are most famous for, is, uh, is the Borderlands franchise they do have other things in their little was amazing, well. man. i'm so bad i'm, I'm so saying sad battleborn for battleborn. Was bad. yeah rest in peace battleborn it was actually quite you know, nice it's just overwatch just swept the crap out of them sadly that is sad i quite like battleborn as well um it was a little bit visually noisy for me but i probably preferred it over overwatch generally speaking underrated says replicant um, so battleborn's got a little fan club here <laughs> Yeah, Battleborn was was quite nice. It was just it was just over completely overshadowed and blindsided by Blizzard when it was at its peak almost <laughs> just got mm. shat on by Overwatch, but um yeah, no, um good game. Historically that's something Blizzard have been very good at is is stomping on their competitors with fa- some fairly sinister marketing tactics in general. Um mm-hmm. like fair play to them, they're supposed to be competitive, but they probably did very deliberately every time there was any kind of Battleborn news due to drop. Overwatch would have had news on the same day because they've always been very meticulous in um, encountering their competitors' marketing bubble. Mm-hmm. Whether that'll still be the case um, now that they're owned, I don't know. Um, now, mm. deadly. Mm. Yes. Tell me about Halo, please, God. Tell me about oh, how amazing no. it is. Happily. Um, so I did mention last week that um, episode four of uh, Halo season two was spectacular. Um, I I don't want to spoil too much. And actually, uh, Gamsley and Asa, first of all, have, have either of you actually watched any of season two yet? Or are you nope. going to wait until it is sort of finished, it's an entire, uh, finished in its entirety and then binge it? Or... Binge it. Big time. I, you're going to binge it. Well, at are some you... point, I wouldn't oh. put a time frame on it. I've not watched season one yet. 
and mm. I wasn't interested Gamsley, in season going... one, but you're about to tell me it's incredible, and everybody is saying that it's incredible. So I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna tell you that there. season one is incredible, but I I will say that you should you should watch it going into season two. Um, mm. If you hated season one with a passion and every single decision that it was made uh, that was made there, there might be some things that you take umbrage with with season two. But if it's similarly you would put yourself in the camp of being an OG Halo fan. You are going to be very impressed with what this season does. Um, episode four, um, I mean, I, we know that we start seeing the fall of Reach that has clearly been shown in all of the marketing and stuff. And episode four is really the start of that pivotal point. What I will say about episodes four and five is they have they have portrayed the human covenant war in a much more visceral way that than I was expecting them to. Um, there is a lot of focus on chief, but chief is not doing the chief things that you would expect. If you think episodes four and five are just going to be and Hey, and master chief in his helmet doing all sorts of master chief things. It, no, that it, same music's playing, but he's getting the cheeks. He's getting. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen cheeks. I I, I haven't seen cheeks. Um, I again trying not to spoil anything too much here, but what I will say is it it has gone in a direction that I didn't expect, but in a positive way versus how a lot of people received season one. Um, it's clearly set up some very interesting things um, that go far deeper than I would have expected them to this early with the Halo with Halo lore. So I think for anyone who does know the Halo universe very well, um, you have... Uh, Gamsley, I might need your help here because I actually can't remember the... the is, it, uh, is it Geish? It's kind of like a, like a sort of... Almost like a spiritual imprint that sort of transcends generations. I that's it, but yeah, I, th I think so. Yeah, starting to see a few whispers of that, or just a few hints of interesting nuggets of Halo lore. That if you are very, very familiar with it, they will start making themselves apparent to you. Um, I, I'm very, very impressed with it. I, I have a lot of good things to. I, I just have a lot of good feelings about where um, the Halo series is at right now. Um, I think there are four episodes left. So uh, episode five came out today. Um, so you can you can watch that on Paramount Plus now. Um, yes, yeah, six, seven, eight, and nine. Obviously, a little bit a little bit of a ways down the road. But um, yeah, I'm not going to talk about episode titles. I have seen the episode titles. I remember some of them towards the back end of the season. But again, I'm not going to. I'm not going to spoil that. Um, I have a question. Go on. Mm. I, I'm actually just going to ask you some questions about it. Is that okay? Yeah, let's do that. Um, let's do that. Okay. Um, what so do I do you with said my that face while you're asking? Master Chief, uh, just just me. What's my role in this? And just touch it. Okay, touch carry it. on. Yeah, and smile at me. <laughs> I can't, I can't. I don't know how to smile. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, carry on um, the questions. Anyways, uh, so you were talking about how Master Chief doesn't do his Master Chief thing. Is some of that like, well, well, 
sorry, let me rephrase. You say there's n he does his master master chief thing, but not as you expect. Do you wish it was as you expect? Like, do you wish so, it was in another way, master? Chief? I really, really don't want to spoil stuff, but I guess what okay. I can say is that in the same way as you could imagine the fall of Reach starting, a lot of people were taken by surprise by okay. this. So you can expect good or bad yes or no as uh, oh no as in as in um if if you if you if you were in the shoes of someone who was on reach you would absolutely have been taken by surprise by oh, covenant okay, okay. invading reach okay. um i uh, man Satisfied? i really don't want to spoil stuff but i i'm just yes or no yeah. questions then yeah, were you, I am are you I'm satisfied, satisfied with, with it? You? Yes. Yeah, okay, yeah, so like absolutely. the things that they do that's different in your mind that what Chief would do, you, you're satisfied with those things? Yes. Okay, yeah. perfect. Well, me, I'm, I'm just going to I'm gonna try and just get a quick... Has anyone asked any questions in chat? Not really, but that's fine. I'm I'm going to I'm gonna try and avoid oh, spoiling Chad, stuff. You suck, I think what you is, suck what Chad. No. <laughs> What I would really like to do is have some sort of kind of post-series chat where we can sort of talk about how it went and and sort of I don't know we we don't need to a go through episode, episode by episode yeah. maybe a spoiler cast but me, I do really. appreciate that that would still sort of alienate quite a few people and again like you guys haven't watched it so it's basically just going to be. Uh, be going around in circles without trying to spoil anything, but tell Look, you how you said, fucking great it is. You said, <laughs> you said, you said it's infinitely better. <laughs> See what I did there? So Infinite nice, very, very better. nice. I, um, I think. Let me let me try and give you some 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 highlights. So highlights for me, um, there is there is a character called Ackerson who who does show up in the in the books he's not he's not really referenced in the games but he is a shadowy only figure um he is played very very well um uh dr holsey um her character is very interesting in this series as well she was sort of painted is... as go on do they use cortana like the same actor for both or not no. So in season one, this is a bit, it's a bit weird. I don't really know why they've done it, but I'm kind of just, it's fine. It is what it is. These things happen in television. In season one, um, they used Jen Taylor's voice and face. Um, in season two, they have completely changed Cortana's face to the point where she actually looks a little bit more like she does in the video games. Like, but now nothing like Jen Taylor. changed Cortana's boobs for Halo 4. I mean, Cortana changes every <laughs> single Halo game. Like, dramatically. And we all just sort of take it face value. <laughs> yes, including boobs. Like, I, I hated the way that they did that in Halo 4, that... That they tried to, to make Cortana a love interest in a way that she never had been before, and they tried yeah, to make her more bit... seductive. And it's like, uh... yeah, they sort of Chief woke up from a sleep, and all of a sudden, Cortana had some just his AI exaggerated... got curvy, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's that's I, I don't know where I'm going with that. Boinkers. Um, 
<laughs> get bored in space, right? <laughs> oh, man. Where, where did we go with this topic? What's going on? I, don't know. I got bored of touching Halo's my face good, while you were right? talking. Yes. How about Halo's Halo good. Infinite, Halo's the good. game, though? Because they added a whole bunch of new maps, and we played some of those on Sunday. This is um, not to cut off. He still oh, had more to it. say on the TV series, but yeah, you missed it. Um, uh, Big Team Battle. They added five new maps in. Previously, I can't believe I Big Team Battle, too. when the game came out, it had like three maps. There was like one good map, one okay map, and one utterly shite map. Now they've added five into the mix, which is quite a bit more like, diversity in the playlist than there was before. And most of them, um, as far as I can tell, they've they've rehashed things from previous games and stuff like that. But they look nice, and they so far haven't been awful there's one map where you just get shot from every angle all of the time but they're not bad and they've improved the playlist a lot for me so you neither of you have had a chance to touch it though that's a shame um are you I, intending to i you did like jump into the I, I did jump into the um the updated big team um list so i, I did play the new maps that are added and yeah you're right i some of the, a couple of them are really really good but yeah there's one that's just a bit sort of I can't remember which one it was. Um, I do really like the remake of Headlong. Um, I think the only the only real gripe that I have about Halo <laughs> Infinite <would>. is <laughs> pause. Gamsley. Anyway, Gamsley, have you played Halo Infinite? <laughs> Yeah, of course. I mean, I mean, not not the recent map stuff, but uh, yes, I've played it. Actually, I I I I beat the crap out of that campaign, and and I had at least twenty five hours in the multiplayer, um, but not recent. Um, we're getting new Halo content on Tuesday, by the way. Or well, we're getting something on Tuesday. Oh, Something's yeah. being teased for the fifth, and I remember that because it is it is my birthday on Tuesday. Very excited. Oh, Not anymore. Halo now it's Halo day. News Drop Day. You have to find a different mm. date. It can be Halo News Drop Day instead. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, right. let's do Gamsley's Game Pass recommendation for the week. So the Game Pass recommendations, if you've been following this this podcast week on week, started really freaking badly with um, Rotato and Go Mechable. Week two, still pretty freaking awful um, with Anacard. Week three and week four, though, he's upped his game. He's gone for Resident Evil 2 Remake and then Tales of Arise, which I've not had a chance to play Tales of Arise. I can't tell you if it was definitely a good choice, but I'm pretty sure it is. It's on my list. I'm going to play it. It's just it's a long game, so I can't fit that in the space of a week. Let's see, though. Make or break time. Are Gamsley's recommendations worth listening to? Gamsley, right. what you got for this Are week? Are you ready? Are mm. you done? Are you done? Yeah, okay. So last week, as you know, I recommended Bluey. <laughs> No, you didn't. Uh, no, yeah. I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> um, no, I will recommend. Sadly, I I don't I don't like anything that was added. Um, this like like this week, there's nothing really interesting to me. Man Eater is super fun, but I didn't play it recently. I just remember Man Eater being a blast, but. Brotato's a blast, and all of you hate me for recommending Brotato. No, so I I'm on the hesitant side of that to recommend. One, I, <laughs> I I really hesitant to recommend Maneater, but I'm gonna fucking do it anyways because I want to see I've the world burn. Man so Maneater, go play that thing. It's fun as shit. 
You play a shark and you eat it's, people. That's all you it's do. Okay. It's amazing. It's okay. But yeah, uh, you, just, you do play as a shark and eat people. That is quite cool. Yeah. Cool. Go have fun with that. This is so uh, that, that's my A last minute pivot because on, um, on the document that he draws up, he put Dead Island 2. And I was thinking, well, I can already say that's, that is a good game from what I can tell. So he's, he's redeemed himself with the recommendations, but Manny's that I haven't played yet. So now I've got homework to do before we oh, can you know, You know what it was? You, you shat talk me for five minutes getting to the goddamn recommendations. <laughs> so I switched it and I hope you guys have a bad time. No, Maneater is really fun. You actually can't go wrong with Maneater, but Dead Island 2 is also... Um, you know, we were talking about it on the top of the podcast. Fun game. Did you uh, don't finish Manita? It. Is Manita one that you Did actually I played through, it? or is it just a yeah? I got I got halfway through. I got halfway through. Um, what about I you, didn't Deadly complete Deadly? it all the way. So yeah, I sort of I I can't remember how far through I got. I think I I can't remember how many areas there are, but I think I got to the third one and sort of put it down. It's um it's okay. It's all right. It's one of those things where you just sort of get to kind of you pick it up to go and cause some chaos and don't really have to take it too seriously. Um, yeah, that's, that's not like an right. indictment on the game, really, is it? So, like it's fine. You could, there are games that work like that. You play for fun. If you told me that you'd started yeah. Towers of Arise and you didn't finish that, then I would say that's like failed in its purpose of being a gripping story. But Manita doesn't need a gripping story. You're a shark and you eat. You just eat people and stuff. Like Brotatoes, you know what I mean? Well, it's going to be more eventful from, than like Brotato. Otherwise, I'm still going to finish Brotato. You know what? I'm going to prep the audience right now. So here's the prep. It's either I'm going to tell you. So I'm, I play everything that pops up in Game Pass. So you don't need to. So my recommendations from now on are going to be good games that I find isn't a complete waste of time. And you get some fun out of it. Kind of like Helldivers. Terrible game, but really fun. Um <laughs> Don't do that. Um, <laughs> Helldivers 2 is amazing. Go play that game. Um, I, I'm i going to recommend good games that are fun to pick up, a good time to play through however many hours you want to play through it. And then I'm going to, if I play a bad game, I'm going to tell you, hey guys, this is a terrible fucking game. Don't do that. Sorry for my swear words. Um, so that's how I'm going to structure them. So if I recommend something, it's not game of the year. I'll say if it's game of the year, but I'm not saying it's game of the year. I'm just saying it's fun. You'll enjoy it. It's for someone. Go do that. And uh, the bad ones, I'll I'll let you know. All right. How about that? It's that not good? like now I feel All guilty because right. I feel like I've put too much pressure huh? on you. It's not that serious. You don't need no, to play no. every single thing on Game Pass and your no, recommendations. No. For good entertainment. <laughs> so I, I apologize I, for breaking games. I love games playing games. Um, so. Yeah, it's not, not the worst thing in the world to try them, is it? So, mm -hmm. Right, let's do then. You've got your Game Pass recommendations. Some people in there, I've not seen anyone say Manage is terrible. You've only got people agreeing and saying that it's, yeah. it's a good recommendation, it's a blast and worth playing. You're let's welcome. go on to our questions. I don't know if there are going to be many, but let's get the first question up and we'll, we'll take it from there. Um, and Ooh. while you do that, uh, guys in the chat, everybody that's watching, uh, you know, we don't say it or mention it often, but a quick share, a like, anything. A quick share means a lot. If you like this and you like goofing around with us, maybe other people are going to like it. So share it to them. They'll thank you. Kind of like a great brotato recommendation from Gamsley. It's like, oh, check this 
Don't leave with that. Podcast out. You might like it. it. Does. I also want to give a just a, a quick shout out to any of the any of the other creators in the community who have given us a shout out on their podcast. It's like we we do hear it, we do see it, and we really appreciate it. So thank you for that because um, it's yeah. been really nice to be welcomed into this space in the way that we we have as sort of a brand new show. So yeah, we do appreciate that a lot. Yeah, absolutely right. Illegal Dad has asked. Will the PlayStation 5 Pro be successful depending on whether GTA 6 is optimized for it? Um, I'm going to flip that back on its head and just give a quick shout out to our good friend Fonz, who I think it was Fonz and Hagi on Fonz's show who made a a really good point about um, the fact that Red Dead 2 did not run at 60 on either the PS4 Pro or the Xbox One X it actually still doesn't run at 60 on the Series X or the PS5, which is a damn travesty because Red Dead 2 is fantastic. Um, I hope that it is optimized for the PS5 Pro because it would be nice to see. Um, And it's completely taking any console worry arguments out of the equation because I actually think it would be quite damaging for Xbox if it ran at 60 on the PS5 Pro and didn't run at 60 on the Xbox Series X. Um, and there was no, um, you know, quote unquote pro, pro uh, quote unquote pro console version for the for the Xbox. Um, I think that that does potentially put Xbox in quite a precarious position as far as the power narrative is concerned. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Well, now that you so, mentioned it, we were going to talk about that, weren't we? So um, we were aside, briefly actually. Like, well, we can bring it up. It doesn't make sense to, to fit that in here. We were going to talk about um, the rumours of the the all-digital, discless Xbox Series X revision that is potentially due at the end of the year. Potentially, if you follow the rumours, it, it might end up being white or it might not. Um, and potentially going up against a PlayStation 5 Pro. So the rumour pretty much lines up with what we already knew from Microsoft's FTC case where they were going to do an adorably all-digital Series X with a 2 terabyte drive and no disk drive microsoft at the time said yeah like there was truth in those plans but plans can change which was a little bit of a bluff probably the plans probably haven't changed that thing probably still exists and is probably still coming um gamsley what does that look like like is there value in an all digital series x do you get upset that it's all digital and how does that sit in the market against the playstation 5 pro I think it's. I don't. I don't think it does. It doesn't move a needle at all in any direction. I don't know. I. I think uh, a Series X. I don't know. This is such a nothing burger to me. If if they choose to do this, they're just giving people options, and I don't know. Even know if maybe there's a price cut. If there's a price cut, it could be a little bit more significant for the news. But like, as it stands now. We know that they're trying to push digital. We know that everybody's trying to push digital. Um, so it won't hurt them detrimentally um, releasing an only digital console. But if they're going against uh, a pro version of another of a com- of a competi- competitor, um, and it's significantly more powerful, uh, it, it's already not doing well anyways so i don't i don't i don't see where it shifts the needle in any direction really like if their plans was always not to make something on par with a pro or whatever 
then again, I it's a nothing burger. Um, they're gonna slowly just they're gonna float right now. We already know their plans. We already know where they're trying to go. It's a long game. It's a long play. They're trying to do a different strategy. We'll see where that leads. But yeah, digital or not digital, I don't see it moving any needles back forth. I don't know. They're just gonna be there for an option, and that's it. The only the way I can see it moving in needle. Like the the only... thing, because if if, if Microsoft were just releasing this thing, then you'd be like, yeah, cool, they're just releasing a revision of the console. That's perfectly fine and normal. If they release it in a similar time frame to a PlayStation 5 Pro, then there are going to be people that are confused by that, that, that think that these things are supposed to go head to head and are supposed to compete. Yeah, but does, Whether... it, does it hurt? Does it does it hurt, hurt or them? help that people think it's something that it isn't yeah, but indeed it, yeah but that's what i mean it's it kind of tug and it goes back and f it, it just stays neutral it's just like non yeah. non-offensive and not overly dramatic it just kind of stays there it, it doesn't move the needle anyway but back or uh, forth like i said i think it just i don't know it and what were you gonna I, sorry, see it, I cut you off i can see it appealing to Casual Call of Duty players who have not moved up to this generation because they, they there are still people playing on on last gen. Yeah, but you have and Series S, right? You do have a Series S, yes. But if there is a a um, not cheaper because obviously it won't be cheaper than the Series S. But if you have a more affordable, um, uh, it's a bit of a misnomer because I I don't I don't really consider the PS5 or the Xbox Series X to be quote-unquote high-end consoles. And I know that was a very, a very silly terminology sort of used in the, um, like the FTC court case and stuff. But I, I think like the reality is that these consoles aren't nearly as powerful as they, as the vision that may have been sold, but they still pack a significantly more potent punch than... Um, last gen hardware you are still going to have people who haven't upgraded to this generation and i think one of the things that microsoft will have in its arsenal that it could launch alongside that would be a current gen only call of duty we actually don't know mm, where the next call of duty is launching but at some point call of duty is going to have to ditch last gen it just will whether or not that's this year, I don't know, but potentially it is something that Microsoft can go, you know how we've got all the marketing rights for Call of Duty. You know how we can put Call of Duty in Game Pass, in theory, because we again we haven't had that confirmed. But I'm I'm sort of running I'm running on the basis that it's going to show up in Game Pass. And I will be surprised and disappointed if it's not. Here's a more difficult yeah. question. Say, <clears throat> hypothetically, there is a PlayStation 5 Pro that comes out in like November or whatever, and there's a, mm -hmm. a revision of the Xbox Series console, and there's a Call of Duty game. How, how should Microsoft handle the PlayStation 5 Pro version of Call of Duty? That's, that's the spot that I don't think they should be in. Like, that, that's... <sighs> And it's a really weird one because, like, the PS5 Pro is basically an open secret in the games industry at this point. Like, everybody is just expecting that to come. At the moment, we're currently not expecting a similar move from Microsoft. But I wouldn't be surprised if Microsoft may be reconsidering that. But, you know, we've also heard from Phil Spencer that, again, I don't buy this one. I, I like Phil Spencer a lot and I take a lot of what he says as at face value in executive language because I think that caveat is really important. He 
he says words like I, I don't know like the, some sort of magician that makes people hear the thing that they want to hear but actually if you take his phrasing word for word he skirts that sort of clarity line very very carefully and i do respect him for it but when he said about the xbox series x being the mid-gen upgrade i called bullshit on that like that's sorry mm -hmm. same that's same, same. not good enough it's <laughs> it's not I, yeah can i can i say can i skeet in here just mm. yeah yeah so Go for i it, don't man. forget yeah um here here's here's the thing uh i don't think i i don't think he was bullshitting i think I think he's, from what we've seen in rumors and stuff for them to kind of go skip this, not skip this generation, but go straight for next gen and develop next gen faster and set it on their terms. I think he's serious. And like I've been saying forever, I think they take about two Call of Duties to really start to see a big appeal shift from the Call of Duty base on PlayStation to the Call of Duty space on xbox because of game pass here's why i don't think this matters at all if 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 people associate oh my god look this they already do by the way associate call of duty still with playstation right now so let's remember that right so if they come out here's a ps5 pro call of duty's coming bundle it with xboxes right don't do the bundle thing with playstation just have it side by side they're going to sell so much of that game, it won't fucking matter anyway, right? They're going to sell so much of that game on both consoles that they're going to be like, well, this is a win-win, so it doesn't really matter. The bundles will sell Xboxes if they sell Xboxes, right? So I don't think the power narrative is going to have any effect on anyone right now. I don't think they expect to move more Xboxes right now anyways i think they take the loss they take the hit the player base is the player base right now anyways they're getting the money anyways who cares then when they skip that generation right when they say here's xbox pro i don't know pro pro x2 whatever the fuck right that's where they go next gen only here on xbox here in game pass we're pushing the narrative full-blown marketing that's when we're going to see kind of a, a shift and turn and people will come from last gen or whatever to this gen. And you think and that's where if there's a Call of Duty shift, at the tail end of this year, back. though, rather than the big shift later, you think if there is a Call of Duty at the tail end of this year, they should fully optimize it for the PlayStation 5 Pro and have the best console version yes. be on PlayStation. Yeah. It won't matter later. It won't, it won't, it won't matter. It doesn't matter. It won't matter. They don't care. I, I think yeah. that because I would I would never advocate for not trying their best to deliver the best game that they can. Right? Regardless of weird marketing circumstances and commercials, it would be unethical to not try your best to release the, the best game that you can on each of those platforms. That would be a, a slimy bastard business decision. So I hope that they do fully take advantage of that platform, but it does yeah. sit in a really awkward place. Like as like we've bought APK, here's Call of Duty, it plays far and away head and shoulders better on playstation than it does on xbox because they've got a new console and we haven't is a weird situation for them to be in yeah but you see but yeah. they see but they see that they see that the console right now like all the doom and gloom stuff about the console never being able to sell blah 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 they already see a stagnation okay one call of duty they know 
they know it's a communicative like uh, an, uh as a whole like all the games in game pass and all the games that are going to come and what is the point so one game won't shift the needle as they want there's already 68 million or 60 ish million on playstation but what they about know Twitter? very well they 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 know, they know very well they know very well that the hardcore playstation guys won't go sell in droves 10 million consoles and go buy an xbox they know that already what they're thinking is well yeah okay let's just get the money from everywhere right start building the mindset that game pass is here come to game pass and then when that next generation does come and you see maybe the third Call of Duty or the second Call of Duty hit, and it's marketed that way, it's like, here's our, this is us, this is Call of Duty, the best place to play is here, we got the most powerful console, whatever, they go with that market beat again, that's where you mm. see last-gen people <clears throat> and Xbox, I don't know, now-gen Xbox, and some non-loyal PlayStation fans go over, because then it's a reset. You know, and that's where they start to take off. That's where it's like, oh my god, Game Pass is here. This is here. That's there. Let's go. Uh, Indiana Jones yeah. Two is there. Uh, whatever, all on Game Pass. That's really a pleasure. year one. Year one of Call of Duty on Game Pass. You're right. It's not. It, it that itself year isn't two will come. potent enough to to yeah. move the needle. Not year yet. two, possibly year, three three Call of Duties in. With Microsoft going, here we are again, guys. We're back on the marketing beat, and oh yeah, it's in Game Pass. Um, mm -hmm. This is this is the home of Call of Duty, and we've drilled that home for it two, so much, two, three years. Headley. It takes so much it will, to shift. It goes a back gear, to that mind share right? that we talked about yeah. um, a few episodes ago, which is a, that's really microsoft's biggest challenge in my eyes is how does it start achieving mindshare and i think call of duty as an ip is definitely one of the the most potent ways of being able to try and claw some of that back but oh you could it's going to take could, a very long time for people to in that boardroom xbox guys, when they hear call of duty if in that all. boardroom guys all the chat in that boardroom you damn well <clears throat> believe that they're looking at each other and they wish they could pull the trigger they wish that, <laughs> that. Say, call of duty explore <laughs> yeah they just fucking shoot them they no, all hate uh, each other they wish <laughs> they wish they can every day say, is russian roulette <laughs> yeah <laughs> they, they wish that they could be like hey call of duty exclusive on our platform we're already like the, we're the biggest platform everything's exclusive to us look at this we're xbox but it's not the case they wish they can do that but right now they know they're like oh my god 70 percent ish i don't know the number true number are on the other platform and they're really dedicated there right now it's gonna take some freaking time for that boat to switch back to Xbox like the 360 era to be like, this mm. is the home of Call of Duty. It's gonna take some time. And it took yeah. time for PlayStation, by the way, for that to happen as well. It took a lot of time for the association to kind of switch, right? So just don't worry about it. I'm an Xbox. I'm dad. not worried. I don't even like Call of Duty. Hey, right. Illegal Dad. I hope we somewhere just... in that touched on your question. Just to sort of, I just had a quick question for you, Asa, while we've still got uh -oh. legal dad's question up. Um, yep. What do you, what do you think a PS5 Pro and let's just for argument's sake, let's 
say hypothetically that there is also an Xbox Series X Pro in the works, and I I don't think there is, but I I would like to be pleasantly surprised by that just to make sure that Xbox doesn't shoot itself in the foot. But they, that's not important. Um, the PS Five. What do you think the PS Five Pro can offer? this generation and players within it do you think it's worth doing because i personally don't really that's really tricky the specs that we're seeing leaked um there's a big question mark over any external like ai chip on top of what we already know about so tom henderson leaked the, the specs of the playstation 5 pro and everything that tom henderson has leaked about playstation hardware has been exactly 100% correct Sometimes a little vague on the details, but no wrong information whatsoever. So what he has said about it having 56 cores or whatever clock speed, that's that's all going to come true. And that puts it only moderately ahead of the Series X, like not a huge leap in performance. You've also got from Sony's side of things, the, um, the issue with price. So whenever they were planning their hardware, they wouldn't have planned it with the view that the PlayStation 5 base model would still be the same price as it is. So they're in a really awkward position themselves in terms of how they price a pro model because expensive consoles typically haven't done very well. The advantage for them you is think that it's the pro model doesn't need to sell. No, not not particularly, but it doesn't need to be. That's the the, the positive okay. of a pro console is it's it's not an ecosystem in and of itself. It's not like the PSVR two where if they can't sell enough, then they can no longer afford to make games for it. A pro console doesn't need to sell. It just needs to sate the the hardcore audience to keep them ticking over. Because you can see in the console space on both sides of things at the moment, you can see people are already beginning to get frustrated with their consoles. Like, oh, I thought it was going to be super powerful. And three years into the generation, it's it's no longer cutting the hardware. There is an audience right in the center that feel that way and are starting to feel that way. And the pro consoles are for that audience just to keep them ticking over for a bit longer so the generation can last a bit longer. Microsoft's generational structure isn't the same and they don't need to do that. It just they're going to have a, a brief window of time that is awkward when they're pitched up against the PlayStation 5 Pro because particularly for Call of Duty and their own games, there is going to be a bit of hardware on the market that they don't have a direct answer for, and it is a bit of market, a bit of hardware that has like the most vocal fan base because that core of people just, that are that are going to be interested are going to be the loudmouth, which is why I say, what about yeah. Twitter? Mm-hmm. What about Twitter? This is probably is a little bit more important. of a difficult. Is probably yeah. a little bit more of a difficult question then. Um, let's say hypothetically then that the PS, the PS5 Pro is coming this year. And then mm-hmm. again, hypothetically middle towards the end of, so two years, two years on, we see Xbox go early with a new generation of hardware. Is that a way of squeezing out PlayStation in a way that legally yes and no they're allowed to do they're not so for the way that i see that is i've always seen that as being what microsoft are looking to do they put an awful lot of money research investment into being able to smooth over generational transitions so when phil spencer came out and said that stuff you were talking about earlier where it's like we've already got a a pro model and a base model i agree and disagree with what he's saying because the the series x is, is not the pro model equivalent but microsoft's strategy has shifted and that is kind of like closest equivalent because they don't need pro models anymore they don't need the next generation of an xbox console does not signify the end of this generation of xbox console and we've already Mm -hmm. seen that last time around like the xbox one probably still gets games now the generational shift is very very different which means microsoft are positioned to like go early as you say but i don't 
consider it they're going early relative to what PlayStation are doing. Microsoft, I sincerely believe they don't care what PlayStation are doing. Like it's not mm. key to their strategy. Microsoft they're executing their strategy and what Sony do alongside it, they're gonna have an awkward if, year with the Pro being around, but they're not reacting to what Sony is are doing. Marketed. They're doing their thing. Mm-hmm. If that new console, if that new generation, let's say it does come a year or, or earlier than than the PlayStation Six, and that is marketed with the next gen Call of Duty, I know that there were parity agreements that were discussed between PlayStation and Microsoft to say that okay, Call of Duty has to run the same on um, on your platform as it does ours, but that doesn't account for a generational shift. Is that is that the silver bullet that Microsoft has and may potentially be sort of leaning on or depending on to help pull back the mind share that it has unfortunately lacked from a more casual mainstream audience by going, here's a brand new Call of Duty that you can only play here mm-hmm. and you don't even have to pay for it? Mm-hmm. The high-end audience is a funny one and a fickle one, and I, I don't actually, sadly, I don't think necessarily an important one. And I don't think any mm. of Microsoft's broad strategic decisions are particularly made with us in mind. Mm. By high-end so, audience, do you mean someone who may sort of care about buying care a about, console like, day the, one? The question that you've just asked, yeah, that that audience, mm. like, I'd like for them <clears> to <throat> be central and a focus for game development, but... Mm. we're second yeah. to the, obviously the, the next Call, Call of Duty, Duty that's would've... on mobile right now <laughs> yeah because <laughs> yeah. obviously Call of Duty uh, the next Call of or, uh, you know a Call of Duty that launches alongside a next gen console for example it's still it's going to have a current gen version it can't it can't not definitely um, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah it's an interesting one yeah but like, yeah I think no, this no, generation we saw it from Microsoft they did not make a next gen only game until like three years in or whatever they they refused. There was Flight yeah. Sim, but mm. unusual, unusual case on Flight Sim because it was not really made Why with console in mind at all. Guys, screw all. Oh, this. I don't just care for handhelds. You've not even got hands. Next. What are you talking about? I would like a handheld, and I really want it to be called the Xbox <laughs> Series E. If anyone is is listening, <laughs> E Y E. Wow, um, that was a shot <laughs> for, for everywhere. <laughs> or the Xbox Series P. No, I didn't. <laughs> Don't say that. I'll, I'll die. Well, like potentially, you end up you end up with the Xbox Series S, the Xbox Series E, and the Xbox Series X, which I is see, unfortunate for sex. That um, wasn't my intention. Next question. That wasn't please. my intention. <laughs> <laughs> please, God, just next question. <laughs> rather, rather unfortunate on all the box art. <laughs> um, please, next question. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. Oh God. Was that, Pete, was that Pete's question? What question no, was that? No, that was a legal dad on that one. Right, episode, thir- oh, episode 13 has asked. Great show, guys. Thank you, episode 13. Just thought I'd say, keep up the good work and the chemistry. Long may Xbox continue. And you guys, thumbs up. And some kisses. Thank you, so thank you for letting that one through. It's not a question. He's mocking me because I don't have a thumb. I don't appreciate that, fucker. Next. He's, he, he's being very nice. Thank you, episode 13. That is like genuinely nice comments coming through means a lot, so thank you. Pete has asked, gaming has been a thing for over 50 years. Some of us were lucky enough to be there at the start. Games that were awesome in gaming history. Wait, are they still awesome now? Do they deserve to be played now? Um, Do you two play really old stuff? Do you appreciate old stuff and do you actively play old stuff? 
I don't actively play old oh, stuff. God. No. Um, Unless you count the darkness, what do you mean? but I, I, I'm not going to. What, uh, <laughs> what define old stuff? Well, no, broadly at the moment, we'll just stick with with retro gaming as a whole. Pete obviously is going back fifty years. Pete um, worked in the gaming industry and was pivotal in the development of the the original XCOM games. So he's got a good, like, interesting history behind him and interesting commentary oh, no, whenever that's we a are fun talking fact about. about Pete. It is wow, a fun fact about Pete. There are loads of other fun facts about Pete. But he has some interesting perspective for that reason. But typically, so we'll just say retro as in not current gen. Like anything that's not oh, currently yeah, supported. I, oh yeah, 100%. Um, um, I, you know, How I got, far back um, do you go? <clears throat> what, what was that? Um, Game Boy Color, at least. <clears throat> I've yeah, been you actively play a Game Boy, Boy Color, Color game. Stuff. Yeah. What have you been playing? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, first off, the Pokemons. Like, I, I got, um, what, I had it with me. What was that device? I had it on the, oh my god, not a retro pocket. What the heck? Help me out here. Oh, no. What's I can't, that? I can't. Oh, no. Um, that, that emulation, it's not an emulator. It's that, um, somebody made a, um, Game Boy Color lookalike that could play GB games and, Game Boy Color games. Mm -hmm. What was that called? There's a company. Oh know. my god, I can't believe it. Somebody in chat, save me. Um, it's not Pocket yeah, Boy, I, is it? Not Pocket Boy. It's something Pocket. Mm. Shit. Anyways, um, I've been playing all my old. I have the original um, old uh, Pokemon games: Yellow, Red, Blue. I even played Tetris, which is which is funny. Um, and I went back to the GB. Uh, GBA titles of Final Fantasy, so I all the way to mm -hmm. four, I think. So I've been playing one through four. I'm on the third one as we speak, uh, but I packed it for my new place, so I don't have it with me. Um, yeah, I've been I've been really enjoying it too. Uh, Pete, the old school games do have something special in them. Um, can't explain it. Maybe it's fresh ideas. Maybe it's just nostalgia, but. Um, yeah uh the only thing that has given me the same joy as an old school game right now is stuff like uh the nintendo titles stuff like zeldas and the remakes of zelda and um you know that type of stuff not even the pokemon games do that for me but breath of the wild and tears of the kingdom gives me a nice hit of old school elden ring also gives me hints of old school gaming and um structure um strangely enough um so mm -hmm. yeah anyways it's difficult to answer because i really I, I appreciate retro gaming but with gaming being as saturated it is and as many games to play i don't spend much time on old stuff and i always say whenever I, whenever i introduce the q a show on the wednesday i always say it's like past present and future of gaming all coming together but i very rarely touch the past stuff and it's not because i don't want to or because they're not they're not good anymore that very much depends case by case on kind of what the focus of the game was certain elements of, of a game age better than others like i can go onto the sega saturn and play panzer dragoon saga which is one of my all-time favorite games and it doesn't hold up it, it's like it almost hurts your eyes because the the graphics just didn't age nicely but there are other games from that same generation that i'd quite happily go and play now and sit and spend hours and hours and hours on if i had those hours and hours and hours um, Deadly Headly, what's you know, like the oldest kind of game that you engage with? I, honestly, that's a bit of a difficult one to answer uh, because I I haven't I, I I 
don't really have any of like the my older consoles anymore. I haven't really held on to any of my older libraries. There is one there is one game that I am really craving to go back to and it is on the 360 um and that's Condemned. It was a launch title. Mm. I've been thinking about that game a lot and I've 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 wanted to go back and and jump into that because I really really liked it when it came out. Um I I mean I so my first my first generation of console that I I really remember was uh, distinctly was the PS1. I have faint memories of like a Sega Mega Drive before then. Um but PS1 was really sort of the the platform that I grew up on. Um the little part of me that would really like to sort of go back to the, the good old simple times when I was a mm-hmm. little kid playing like the old Crash Bandicoot games with my sister. Um, Not Crash Bandicoot. But yeah. Ah. Sort of, <laughs> oh yeah. I was going to ask you, what's your beef with Crash Bandicoot? I I meant to ask you that earlier in the show. Was why don't you like Crash Bandicoot? I, I'm just I'm oh, curious. Garbage. Like, it was right? massive when it came out. It was huge. No, Did you not like it, it when it, it never came was. out? Or... So one, it came out. The, the timing was off, and this is like confirmed, hundred percent fact, not even opinion. Crash Bandicoot came out as a mascot when mascots were no longer cool, right? Mario and Sonic existed <laughs> for for better or worse. They served a purpose for those platforms, and Crash Bandicoot was a me too. Like they, they, they wanted, oh, here's a, here's a mascot like Mario and Sonic, and it fell short in that sense. But its biggest crime was that running towards the camera is bad game design, and I don't care what anybody says. Like running towards the camera should not exist in a video game. You cannot see towards the camera. So don't yeah. make me run towards it. I'll give you and that. Yeah, but that. I may have been 4, too young Asa. to care. Uncharted There's... 3, Uncharted 4. Same crime. <laughs> don't make me do that. Never make me do that. You know, you don't remember like the truck scene where the truck's like trying to run you over no, and you're like I'm saying this way? Like... It's not. I'm saying that I, I hold that to the same standard. Uh-huh. Never make me run towards the screen. This is like... Um, in Hellblade, there's a section where you can't see anything and you have to play just by ears. That's better because at least they let you have your ears and you're supposed to. The point is that you can't see, but I hate I hate running towards the camera. So Crash Bandicoot, I don't even know if you do that in 4. I don't know if there's, there are any levels that, where you run towards the camera, but I never forgave the IP. And that is why Asa should be very, very happy that Indiana Jones is first person because if it tried to do the running away from a boulder in third person, he'd be so pissed. So imagine if it does. Like, even then, even reversing right is now. better. <laughs> I'm going to make you a video right now of me running out of camera. Just, just on repeat. <laughs> I tell you what, there's one retro game that I really wish that I could go back and play. And I've looked for it over time. I I can't, you obviously, you can't get it digitally uh, on PlayStation. Does anyone remember Team Buddies on PS1? Never heard of it. It was a game that I played. Uh, so, um... Try and look up some some footage if you can. But uh, it's a game called Team Buddies. It was sort of like a an isometric style um, split screen co op game where you sort of had oh like God, this looks incredible bases and sort of like drops that showed up around the map. Like I think you you had to sort of if I remember rightly, you had to gather blocks from around the map and you could piece them together and make weapons or vehicles to sort of like combat the the um enemy team with uh it was so much fun and it was out on the ps1 um there's actually quite a lot of like og playstation games i'd really like to go back and play like ape escape is another one as well and i know you you can actually there are ways of playing that on the ps5 um 
Apescape is amazing. Apescape, yeah. Yeah, mm. Apescape's great. Um, or mm-hmm. if I look back at the, the PS2 generation, like I'd love to play Jack and Daxter again. I really want a new Jack and Daxter for Listen, PlayStation 5, by the way. PlayStation, if you're, if you're listening, which you're not. They're not. They're they going to be listening to the Xbox Series podcast, yeah. <laughs> if, if you're, well, maybe, maybe they will. Daxter, it's not like they've got a lot to play up, this year. <laughs> free up Jack and Daxter. I know a lot of people like... They look at Naughty Dog today and they're like, never go back. You know, you've evolved. But man, if if you're going to shift strategy and make like interesting game franchises again, Jack and Daxter, you need to revisit that. Give yeah. one talented studio that game, please. Please. Yeah. I really, right. really like it. We're going to do, because we've hit our two hour mark now, we're going to do one more question. Oh. So Ilo, I'm sorry if that two makes more. it really awkward, but please present... Just the one single best remaining question. If you submit a question and it doesn't get selected, it means that you suck. It doesn't mean that. We've just we've got limited time, and we appreciate no, that no, you no. that you, you wanted to talk to us. You all suck. And I, I temporarily fell into Gamsley's role um, <laughs> of publicly hating everyone. I didn't mean to. Um, Despite Ace's cruelty, though, just there. If you can hit that like button for us, we would really appreciate it. Fuck Acer. <laughs> Absolutely. Give us thumbs. Right, I, I agree with I that. don't have enough. <laughs> Please. <laughs> What's the worst game that you ever bought? That's the question. Mr. Report, E.T., the one that was buried in the desert. What's the worst game that you've ever bought, Deadly Headley? Oh, that is a tough question. It's a really tough question. Um... Mine's easy. Oh, I didn't buy it. I was going to say potato, but I bloody game past it (laughs) (laughs) oh that's a really tricky question um trying to think of like a game that i've like paid money for and then just had like a a real like visceral response where i've just gone i can't believe i've just Mm. bought this shit um that's a really tough one have you got one game I can point to a game that I didn't like very... It wasn't a bad game. I just remember sort of going, I wish I didn't buy that. It was uh, Mortal Kombat 10, I think, because I'm not I'm not a huge oh, that's a good fighter anyway. But I, rem- I remember picking it up and just going, fuck it, I'll give it... Because it, it looked gorgeous. Do you remember the... Um, do you remember the, the first sort of... Because it, it was the first, like, um, built for Xbox One and PS4... Mortal Kombat, I think, and it had this this fantastic teaser um, uh, footage of um, Scorpion and uh, Sub Zero like fighting in this forest, and like all all just all the marketing stuff was gorgeous. All the gameplay looked fantastic, and I just thought, okay, I'm not the biggest fighting fan, but fuck it, I'll give it a go because mm. it it looks great and it, it's Mortal Kombat. It should be a good laugh. Um, I remember the X Ray stuff looking really cool and just. I don't know, like, it's a fighter and I don't really like fighters and it's a game that I regret buying, but yeah, I can't I can't say it was a bad game. Mm-hmm. But you, Gamsley? Oh, this is... Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um... Shit, you know... Recently... I'm sure there's some proper stinkers. Well, no, there's... there's there There are, there's many, but... From the I've last definitely bought decade, some. I just can't think of any. From from the last decade, I've I've kind of <laughs> sort of understand what I really like, and I really haven't messed up very often. Um, 
Oh my god. Uh what did I oh uh mm. Sonic What was that one? Oh my god, it was not a recent Sonic, but there was like this Sonic It's over a decade old at this point, I think. There was a Sonic game that like looked 3 it was all 3D and you were you're running like it, it was a 3D platformer. Not the recent one, but Sonic Mania? Where was it? What the heck was it? There's been oh a bunch. My God. It, FTW's it was a Sonic called game. out FTW's was like called the... out Redfall in the chat. Like if you bought Redfall, you didn't man, buy Redfall though. No, but I didn't I didn't buy Redfall. I didn't buy I'd be Redfall. I'd be fuming if I bought Redfall. <laughs> yeah, so I didn't mad. I didn't buy Redfall, but I definitely bought that Sonic game. I don't know. Mania is the good one, though, right? Sonic Mania. Popular it was, one, it was yeah. a, a 3D Sonic game last generation, I think. I, I can't give you the name. I'm so sorry I failed you. But that's the last. I know I like Sonic. And when I bought the game, I was like, this is freaking garbage. <laughs> I freaking hated this Sonic game. Um, so I would hmm. say that. So it goes far, like, maybe 10 years old. So I don't I really don't buy have an answer. I, um. Oh, oh, yes, guys, Hellblade 2. Yeah, that one. Hellblade 2? Not out yet. Uh, um, um, you know, and, and I, I've managed to go back to it. Fucking and, Helldivers and 2, redeemed God damn it. myself for it. <laughs> 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 I've ruined um, my own joke. Uh, I, I remember myself. really struggling to get into Fallout 4 when I bought that because I did buy that when it came out. But I have since gone back to it and finished it and actually really enjoyed it. I think I just sort of... It didn't really do much for me at the time. I modded it um, on my more recent playthrough. Um, actually, <laughs> I ended up modding Halo weapons and armor into that. And I've got... Um, when I was when I was thinking about doing YouTube content but hadn't actually put my mind to it, one of the things that I and I did actually feature it in um a video that is up on my channel talking about Starfield and why I was sort of excited for it and didn't necessarily like the other Bethesda games. Uh, I did actually use some footage of um me using Halo stuff in, in Fallout 4. I had a great time with that mod. I really, really enjoyed it. But um, yeah, I, I might put Fallout 4 in that list because I, I struggled to get into it. But again, I can't say it was a bad game. It just didn't get me. But I'm glad that oh. it did the second time around. Thank you, Patrick. Or the Sonic back upgrade for Redfall. Sonic Lost World, I think, was exactly it, Isla. Thank you. I've actually never heard of that one. So yes, that's my answer as well. Um, that's it. That's all of our questions done for today. We've got nothing else for today apart from our outro. So first of all, I'm going to say uh, again, thank you everyone so much for coming and watching us and supporting us and listening to us speak nonsense. Um, yeah, it is appreciated every week. Gamsley, please tell everyone what you're up to this week and where they can find you. Well, I'm going to be playing Brotato as usual every week. Same same time every Sunday, you know what I mean? Is that the same potato Anyways. on your shelf? Or have you replaced <laughs> yes. it? Are you getting a fresh potato every week? We're we just going to watch it grow when into a potato when tree. When it's falling apart, I'll, I'll get another one just for you. Um, yeah, Good, because so they start to smell after a while games. in your face. <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> Not as much as you use. Anyways. Um, True. So I'm going to... 
I'm going to be playing some games this weekend with the community, hopefully uh, on community night Sunday, right, Asa? Um, so mm. I'm going to be with you guys doing that. Mondays on Boom Show, um, Double Barrel Gaming on YouTube uh, at 12 p.m. Eastern time. And then Thursday, here each Thursday, 3 p.m. E- Eastern time. Um, yeah, that's, that's what I'm going to be doing. Uh, thank you for watching. And again... Don't forget to hit the like button and do all that good stuff. There was almost 70, 70 of you here watching us, so really appreciate it. Love you guys. Deadly Headley. You also tell people that you love them and tell them where they can find you, what you're up to for the week. Um, so, yeah, I just to echo the other guy's sentiments, we're, um, we're really, really grateful for the, the support other and guy. love that <laughs> I said, guys, both of you two, my, my the, compadres, my co-hosts, the my potato hasn't grown into a man yet. <laughs> yet. <laughs> <laughs> so we, um, the Thursdays have very quickly become, um, a, a big highlight for me each week. Um, and I'm really enjoying sort of co-hosting this show with these guys. We, we really do have such a great time. Um, and it's just all the, the familiar faces that keep on showing up in the chat, all the support that we get after the fact the um, the, all the views and likes and comments and all of that stuff, we see it all and we, and we love it and we really appreciate it. So thank you very much for doing it. And supporting us and um keep doing what you guys do so that we can keep doing what we do um uh i obviously you can find me here every thursday um from 8 p.m uh gmt 3 p.m eastern time i can't remember this is 12 p.m pacific time and then 9 p.m europe i'm trying to i'm trying to memorize it and hopefully not deliver it in a a very terrible order uh you can also find me on twitter at deadly headley underscore um and you can find me on youtube where i have lots of good content um but unfortunately nothing new in the pipeline at the moment that will change i've got some hurdles sort of irl personal hurdles that i need to sort of navigate and work through before i can start making um content again um don't worry i'm i'm okay everything's fine um i'm just really fucking busy um but at some point i do want to start making lovely content um if you don't know who i am um my name is is deadly headley as you've probably gathered um you can find me on youtube at, at deadly headley and i um put quite a lot of focus into delivering content that has a, a pretty high production value and i'm very very proud of that so again if this is your first time here or you haven't checked out my channel please go and do that um and yes you will hear more from me soon yeah second that please do give deadly headly a little bit of support subscribe on his channel ready for when he is back into the content production which is worth waiting for um i will say again the guys have already said it but any likes and subscribes if you can leave any comments on the video that is a big help i am freaking terrible at any sort of self-promotion or anything like that so relying on everybody else to do that work for me please help us out with those little things and we will see you next time bye everybody have a good week